episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer, Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. He uh, joins me. I'm in Cincinnati still. It's a long story. And uh, <laughs> Jay, Jay uh, as, as far as anyone, if you just came to Cincinnati, why else would you, to, to cover the Padres or be with the Padres, you would say, how do they get anything done here outdoors? <laughs> That's that, wouldn't you say that almost anywhere in the Midwest? This, I mean, it's the weather's terrible in the winter, and then they have like a nice week, I think, that they call spring, and then it's terrible in the summer, and then like they have a nice week that they call fall, and I think that's it. But uh, no, seasons. I've been to Cincinnati a couple times in the summer. I think once in July, once in August. Covered a series at Riverfront. Of course, oh, yeah. there was a there was a rain delay. Look, I love the ribs at the Montgomery Inn Boathouse, and that's about it. That's, they do that's have Cincinnati. Good ribs. It was almost a great series, but an area that you sort of hinted at is could be a problem down the stretch <clears throat> reared its head last night. So we can start positive or we can start with areas of concern. I'll leave that to you. Well, let's let's kind of you know gloss over the, the positive. There's been a lot of positive with this team. We uh, can get last- back to that. Last night would have been uh, a season sweep of the Reds, and it would have been the first season sweep of a team that they played more than four times. So more than like one of those interleague where you went two right, and two. Right. They'd been four and zero a couple times, but their first yeah. like six and zero or seven and zero and better since two thousand eleven. Um, wow. That's that's pretty significant. Um, yeah. you, you you crush a team, you just kill yeah. its will. Uh, instead, there were the Reds <laughs> doing the walk off because of a, a failure in the top of the inning. Jurickson Profar second double of the game. Yep. Uh, unlike the day before, these were legit doubles, uh, and and he's on with nobody out. And then the Padres could not get him over and get him in and get an extra run for Mark Melanson, who then blew his fourth save. Right. So there's two there are two issues there, two two player issues, and I don't yes. mean to put them on the same level because one guy has been really good this year and the other guy really hasn't. Um, but Jorge Mateo has been – I mean, he's basically the last guy on the roster as far as position players, and he has not been good, especially in the last month uh, or several weeks. And I think you'd like to think that he's the one, the one guy in that situation – where he comes up and it's like, okay, at least he can bunt here. And he took a pitch that was a strike. It was borderline strike. Trip Gibson was awful last night, by the way. For a guy, he was rated number one. I, I looked this up the other day when I was I, I figured out on that umpscorecard.com how they rate all the umpires, the accuracy. He was number one among guys that had like at least five trips behind the plate, five games behind the plate. And I thought last night he was terrible. I haven't seen the from chart the start he was for yes. it, but from the start. Um, but anyway, it was a, it was probably a strike. Then he then he failed on a bunt, and then I and then I didn't understand why he didn't why he still wasn't bunting with two strikes. I know he's a position player, and you don't normally do that. But he has shown in recent weeks no ability whatsoever to put the bat on the ball. He's behind in the count. To me, it's like all right, just have him try bunting again. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, the next two guys struck out anyway, but that was definitely a failure. At that point, the other issue is Mark Melanson, who has, despite whatever his save numbers say, has not been the same pitcher for what the last few weeks. I would say, Kevin, probably. Yeah, yeah, he's getting um, hit. yeah getting hit, getting hit more. You know, seems to you know sort of walk the tightrope a little bit more. And I guess I would put it this way: in terms of 
how Melanson figures right now. If the Padres were starting a playoff series right now, let's say they were even playing the wild card game right now, and they were playing the Dodgers, and they had a one-run lead going into the bottom of the ninth inning uh, or the top of the ninth inning, wherever the game was played, how confident would you be, how confident would the Padres be at this point that Melanson would be the guy that could close out the game? And I think that's, to me, that's sort of where they are right now. And I'm not saying they're going to pull the plug on him. I'm not saying they should sell the farm to get a closer or anything. But I do think it's got to be an issue. I can't be the only one thinking that. And there's a lot of smart people in the Padre organization that have to be thinking, oh, my gosh, if we get into the playoffs and a big game and we need somebody to get three outs, is Melanson right now? And not only just right now, but three months from now. Three months from now when he's three months older and has three months more innings on that arm and everything, is he going to be the guy? Or maybe at that point is Emilio Pagan. I mean, the Emilio Pagan we saw the other day that just uh, was that in Cincinnati. I don't even remember where that was in Cincinnati, just blew guys away. Maybe he's the guy. I don't know. But Melanson, you know, I've been hinting at this before. I, I think this could be an issue as we go into the final three months because He's just, I don't know, he doesn't give you that feeling of confidence right now when he goes out on the mound. It's interesting because in a, in a week, uh, a little bit more than a week, I'll be writing my feature on Mark Melanson All-Star. Exactly. Uh, and here exactly. we are tearing him up. Uh... Well, and, and I don't want it to sound like we're tearing him up, but I do think, again, if you were if you were Dave Roberts managing the All-Star team, is Dave, you know, what, how confident are you going to be in Melanson? He's certainly not going to be your closer. Well, I think the Dodgers start. The Dodgers manager is well, putting him in there to. to, to, well, to put... <laughs> oh, he's going to put him in there. But I mean, right now, Craig Kimbrell's the guy that's pitching. You know, if the National League has a lead, I'm looking at at a guy like Kimbrell that would be in there. Right now, I would have more confidence in Kenley Jansen, um, the way he's wow. pitched. Re- you know, this wow, year. Jay. And what and what are the odds you would have said that like six weeks ago? Wow. Now here's the so, deal. Everything you've said about kind of how it's trending with with him being hit is, is true, but like I look at everything else and I say, okay, well, I mean, look, I'm not, I, I'm always, I'm not a coach, I'm not a scout, but you look at the metrics and it seems like his pitches are the same. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, Jake. You know, guys go through things. Yeah, uh, right. So I don't know. I mean, you speak com- about Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell. They've had some really ugly periods. So absolutely. And Melanson's been look. He's been really, really good. But I, I think that there has to be at least some concern about the way that he's pitched lately. He doesn't seem to. He seems to be. And I haven't looked all these numbers up. Seems to be behind in the count more. Um, you know, pitches aren't. He's uh, guys aren't chasing. Maybe some of the pitches they were chasing earlier this year. Um, I, I don't know. You, some you, he really jumped like, up, right? He yeah. He was like this new, not new, but he was he was just really effective. He was uh, awesome early yes. on, and yeah. and every you know, look, uh, unless you're Jacob Degrom uh, and a few other guys, <laughs> uh, maybe a Roldis Chapman back uh, at some point recently. Mm-hmm. The league's going to catch up to you, and especially if you're Mark Melanson throwing 92, your cutter is your best weapon. They're going to figure out some things. They're going to say, hey, here's our best chance to not chase on this particular right. pitch, get right. ourselves into good counts. And, and it does appear that that is what's happening with Mark Melanson. Now, Mark Melanson has been in the game a long time, 
and maybe there's some adjustments Mark Melanson makes. But you For are sure. your things here about uh, Mateo and about uh, Melanson. Melanson more than Mateo, obviously. I mean, the last guy on the bench is important, but it's not your closer. Um, right. Are championship things that you that, that a championship team starts to think about it before the trade deadline and yeah. in July and and as they're lining guys up and Emilio Pagan. Let me tell you something. Um, it will be interesting. Look, good pitchers are going to be good pitchers. But Emilio Pagan is one of the guys who I have heard from several people is one of a no more than a handful of pitchers on the Padres that didn't use anything in terms mm-hmm. of uh, rosin, sweat. Okay. Uh, the world is going to come back to Emilio Pagan, who has had his struggles, right? Yep, he has. But 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 if Emilio Pagan was 100% clean, and I'm not saying all these other guys were cheaters, but every right. – a lot of guys, it just, oh, well, so this guy's using spider tack. All I'm doing is kind of wiping my arm when I got, oh, okay, I'm not cheating. And no, you know, mm-hmm. in the world of relativity, those guys are not yeah. cheating. I'm just saying Emilio Pagan used nothing. So if that's what Emilio Pagan has looked like his last couple outings, maybe the guy who I said was going to be the closer well, will we'll end up being the closer at the end of the right. year. Right. And, and I thought at the start of the year, I, I don't play fantasy baseball, but I was thinking to myself, you know, reading stuff about people saying, oh, who's going to be the Padre closer? And I saw some people say it was going to be Melanson. And I was thinking, no, it's not going to be Melanson. It's going to be Emilio Pagan. He's, you know, he saved 20 games a couple of years ago, and he he just looks like the guy that could be the closer. It turned out I was obviously I was wrong, and it was it was Melanson, and Melanson was, has been great for most of the, uh, for most of the time. Yeah. But I, I do think Pagan is a guy that, I don't think they're they're anywhere close to making that sort of move. I don't not even no, saying no. they should be, but in the back of your mind, you got to be thinking that's possible because right now, Pagan in recent weeks anyway has looked better than Melanson and certainly better than Pomerantz. Although Pomerantz is coming off a long absence, yeah. and so without going on a rehab assignment, so you don't want to read too much into anything that he's done. So and I know anyway, a lot of things we, we, we go in by these relievers. It's like, uh, what have you done for me lately? But that's a pretty sure. good back end of the bullpen. And, yeah. and, and the Padres just may have to reconfigure how they do things. Uh, and, and fortunately for them, they're not a lot of these teams who would have zero options, basically. Uh, right. They, right. You know, and I'm not saying like, look, their best case scenario is Mark Melanson to uh, continue saving games at a rate of 25 every, you know, 26 uh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's been actually 25 and 29. Um, well, two of those were kind of those uh, true, true. true, true. ghost runner games that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's just, you just get a feel sometimes for watching when you're watching things and it just looks like it's a little different, but anyway, it was yeah. beyond that. The Padres had a, had a very good series, mm-hmm. um, caught a little bit of a break the other night with Grisham, you know, the rain coming and Grisham hits the, the slam and they didn't have to go into the bullpen for more than Tim Hill, who pitches every night anyway. Um, and so that was a good that was a good win coming off a win in the first game of the series where it was sort of the emergency bullpen game. And uh, they found a way to win that game, even though they left the bases loaded four times in that game and still, you know, and still won. So in all, like I said, you you win a series on the road, you can't be too upset. But when you're when you're three outs away from a sweep, then you know I'm sure that tipped a, a little bit of the shine off it as they as they flew to Philadelphia and they left the play on the field. You know, uh, Jerks and Profar in the in the final inning too. That doesn't yeah. make them happy. And we you know right and, and Melanson 
whatever we're saying about Melanson, he didn't get any help either. I mean, that was a ball. I, did they change the scoring on that yet? I mean, they, they, they that, probably will. Uh, that, that was that was just remarkable. That there was were a lot of looks in the press box for that yeah, one. A ball that Profar dropped, and it should not have been called a double. But anyway, that was a play Profar needs to make, and if he does – you're going to the tent and I'm even more beside myself because uh, I had three stories up at the end. I've got, that's one of those rare ones, especially on the East coast for a game that started at 4 PM Pacific (laughs) where you have a win, a loss and a tie story up on your screen Uh, because deadline was approaching in San Diego. Deadline was approaching. I'm like, I got to write a tie story. Okay. And then, all right. So they lost. All right. Okay. Man, I had a good win story Jay. I did. It was (laughs) the series like where they, Look, maybe it wouldn't have gone as well if it weren't for the rain. But mm-hmm. these Padres win a bullpen game. These Padres hit a grand slam before the rain comes. These Padres take advantage of a second chance after Tatis gets thrown out stealing. Machado steals, and then they score on an error. And, right. and you know, I had, man, this was like, all right, cool, and they're going to win and do this to the Reds, and all right, whatever. So, But you know what? In baseball, one loss doesn't change all that much. The Padres have won uh, 11 of 13. They've won right. four straight series, and now we can turn our attention to the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think we know like three of the six pitchers who are going to uh, pitch in this in this series. Actually, we know that Blake Snell is most likely going to go on Sunday. Um, right. But for the Phillies, all we know is that it's Zach Wheeler against Chris Paddock uh, tonight. And Zach Wheeler might, you know, for all the great players on their team, he might be their all-star this year. Oh, without a, without a <laughs> doubt, he's an all-star. I mean, I mean they're only, but... <laughs> well, he could be. The last I looked, he was, the, he was the, the leader in war among pitchers, <laughs> even above Jacob deGrom. Uh, Now, I don't know if that changed last night after – now, DeGrom did give up three runs last night and then struck out like almost everybody else uh, in the game. But Zach Wheeler has been fantastic. Tonight's matchup certainly, on paper anyway, favors the Phillies. Paddock was hit around pretty good in in his rookie year twice, I think, by the Phillies. Phillies. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but – I mean, look, if you could have Zach Wheeler or you could have Chris Paddock right now, you take Zach Wheeler. But so that there's a this, from a starting pitching standpoint, the Phillies have the edge tonight. I uh, don't know. I mean, they had said Matt Moore was going to pitch tomorrow and Vince Velasquez was going to pitch Sunday. Okay. I don't know if that's changed um, at this point or or not. The, you know, the Phillies are they're one of those teams that kind of like the Reds, right, where they they've got. They've got good players. There's going to be times where they better than the Reds, right? Where they where they are going to be, they're going to be tough to beat in certain series. In other series, you're going to go in and you're going to you know walk all over them because they're they're just not having a good series. So who knows? Um, there's no way to obviously not stupid enough to try to predict anything here. But the Padres do have figure to have Paddock, Darvish, and Snell uh, going for them before they come home um, to play the Nationals. On uh, uh, on Monday, a team that's gotten relatively hot. Uh, the opposite of the Phillies, who have lost ten of fifteen. Yeah, I, I think they were one over before they lost ten of fifteen. The Phillies, uh, but Jay, like um, Jace Tingler had this great quote about Luis Castillo, the Red starter yesterday. Before, um, and by the way, ring the bells because a great quote from Jace. Uh, it's, it's really <laughs> something. Uh, but uh, and that's on purpose, by the way. But but he was talking about Luis Castillo, who was three and ten with like a five one four ERA. Yeah. This is one of the best pitchers in the National League, and he's like, I know. you watch him and you go, he it doesn't make sense that he's yeah. this bad this year because it's stuff. And then you see it last night that that. 
the Phillies have so many good players. And it's not like some of their numbers are down, but they're still getting on base. They, mm-hmm. they have pop. It's like it's mind-boggling that the Phillies are this bad. Uh, right. right. So, but they're four games under 500. And again, uh, it is early, and they're in a bad division. And and who knows what uh, the Phillies could uh, the Phillies could sweep the Padres. Just just like yeah, you know, I, we had no idea. Right. I mean, any of that kind of stuff can uh, can happen. Um, one thing you did get into in your newsletter today that we should talk about. Well, we should talk about a couple of things. Talk about the All Star stuff. We can get to that. Um, but I also think that the the defense. Um, you know, we talked about Profar having a bad play. There were a couple fantastic plays last night. Machado's play at third base was as good as any play that you'll ever see. And and I do want to say there was a lot of a lot made nationally of a play that uh, the Pirates uh, Brian Hayes made last week. I think it was foul territory. Threw out a guy at first base. He threw out Yadi Molina at first base. I mean. You know, any other runner basically outside of Albert Pujols probably going to be safe there. It was a great play, but nice Machado play. last night threw out a guy who can run. And it's just, I, I couldn't get enough watching that play over and over again. Trent Grisham also made a fantastic play out in the outfield that you uh, noted in the newsletter. And he also noted, and I, I do want to point out, the guy that he gave some credit for, for coaching him in Milwaukee was Quentin Berry. Yeah. Who's who's the San Diego guy? I should have. Uh, yes, yes. Went to went to Morse High. I think he might have gone to Grossmont College, and I know he played for San Diego State. So a little bit of a, a San Diego tie there for uh, for Grisham getting some help from Barry. But those those two guys have been really good defensive players since they got here. And I thought last night they were both able to, you know, to show that off. I thought Tatis made a great play too, going up the middle to get the ball. I think from Castillo. And maybe didn't quite realize that it was Castillo running. Probably could have set his feet in the outfield, and his throw was a little bit, a little bit off. But that was another good play. But I will segue that into the All Stars. And I did not see the interview with Tatis last night uh, after the game. But what was his, what was his mood like, talking about being selected to start in the All Star game? Well, obviously. Uh... You know, ecstatic, uh, cool ecstatic because he's uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. But um, <laughs> there's always a little gem with him and just, you know, some of it sounds repeated or it's not. But it's like you can tell, like, this is something he thought about for his entire life. And for him, it was realistic. Like, you and I thought about it when we were eight. Um, but, like, for Fernando Tatis Jr., he's like, wow, I'm going to do this. And my dad's friends, not my dad mm-hmm. ever which he has reminded his dad uh, that he was never an all-star. Uh, uh-huh. And now he's the youngest uh, in Padres history. Uh, but but just – and now he's doing it. And um, and then as, as I wrote beforehand uh, that it was the next step toward the statue, he said that this feels like the next big step in his career. Uh, this is validation. I remember in 2019 he was terribly disappointed that he didn't make it. Uh, and so um, then there was no all-star game last year. And right. so as much as – you know, it was like, uh, well, of course he made it. I mean, he was he's the best, at, yeah. at, you know, in the at the position, one of the best yeah. players in the game. And he, and he was, you know, he crushed the first phase of voting. It's like to actually make it. And then, look, he knew before the game they were getting updated vote totals. He was up by millions of votes yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so they knew. But the actual knowing all the Padres were in the clubhouse because of the rain delay. So right. that was actually right. kind of neat. That's that's kind of yeah. neat there. So it's and then funny. he made a campaign. Go ahead, Jay. 
No, I was just going to say, it's funny. He's 22, and he, this should be his third All-Star game already. I mean, he got he got robbed in 19. Uh, he got robbed last year for other reasons, and, and now here he is again. So he really should be going to his third All-Star game. But it is cool that he's that he's going to his first one, and he, he's, he did some campaigning for yeah. the guy who plays close to him on the diamond, right? There's a couple things I want to say. First off, he very – you know, when someone asked him uh, – how uh who should go Cronenworth was I mean like right away and then he <laughs> talked about how he's been great and I think that's uh you know as I noted the other day it's not a world I want to live in if Jake Cronenworth doesn't go to uh, the all-star yeah. game and I realize that people get snubbed all the time but Jake Cronenworth is just fantastic uh and it's like every series he does something defensively and or offensively that lets other players and coaches see it's not like you know you go into a town and Jake Cronenworth is they're like, oh, I'd heard about this Cronenworth guy and he's not doing anything. No, he, he's he been so consistent is the thing. So, and then uh, Tatis mentioned you, Darvish, and a Padres reliever. And, Jay, I had to listen to it a few times because it's not the one who's going, but it's uh-huh. my all-star, Craig Stammen. <laughs> Fernando Tatis, from the mouth of Fernando Tatis, Craig Stammen should be an that's all-star. Pretty, that's pretty cool. That he would have that kind of respect for the guy who's probably almost old enough to be his dad. No, not quite. But, well, uh, who faced his but, dad? One of these yeah. six pitchers still pitching who faced his dad. <laughs> well, they had the note that the note that gets carried out some carted out sometimes that Stammen's la- the last time that uh, Tatis Senior's last game was uh, in a game that Stammen uh, that Stammen started for the Nationals back in 2010, I believe. No. Um, but it'll be cool to see. I, I don't know who's gonna. Make it the, the one thing that would worry me a little bit about Cronenworth is that Ozzy Albies did not yeah. get to start there. So he's, you know, he's going to make it. Maybe Adam Frazier would have made it um, anyway because the Pirates have to have somebody. Um, so that that's always a concern that there's an overload uh, at a position. Oh, it could happen. Absolutely. Like that. So, uh, you know, and I don't know, are they still, are they still doing the, the extra man vote? Um, they are not. Was, they're not doing that this year. That's my understanding. That's what I, my understanding is, is that this okay. is, this is done on Sunday. So, yeah. So, so anyway, you know, I mean, somebody's, there, yeah. there are people who are going to be, who are going to be snubbed and, and yeah, it would be too bad if, uh, um, if Cronenworth was one of them, but I, I would definitely expect obviously Melanson Darvish probably, but I, I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of good pitchers. Uh, a lot of good pitchers, but I think sure maybe how. maybe tomorrow's start. What if he you know doesn't allow a run in six or seven innings? I don't. And, you don't think it's already decided? Well, I do. Except again, what if he's then down there and he's in the top ten in all these categories? Yeah. And it's like it's you, Darvish. Oh, cool. We you know there's a lot that goes with you, Darvish too. So yeah. and no, he was the, second in the Cy Young last year. Probably should have won it. Uh, right. We can say that now, uh, even if you didn't say it then, because he's a Padre. So we can now say, you know, <laughs> he should have won. He got raw yeah. because, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's what's coming up. Uh, I'm excited to see the Nationals, Jay. But but uh, And uh, Jeff Sanders will be in Philadelphia. I have a personal family commitment uh, this weekend. I'll be in uh, Seattle, which is great because it's nice and cool there. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. It never gets hot up in the Northwest. <laughs> that's a, it's such a great spot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, make sure to, uh, to, to follow Jeff's coverage all weekend. And then, uh, hopefully you guys will both be back here on Monday, travel, uh, travel permitting for, for both of you. Uh, I'll tell you what, different places. When you travel this much, when you travel this much, um, 
you're, it's like I don't, I don't, I'm not in that mindset. And so when my flight got canceled yesterday, I'm like, all right, let's put a book this. And the guy's like, look, it's July 4th weekend. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> ah. So, uh, yeah. Otherwise, you'll be covering the game Monday. So, uh, yeah, I, believe me, I, I, that is the thought has crossed my mind that uh, that I, I I'm I'm, almost, I'm kind of on call. I I do have my I, I've got a computer and a baseball writer's card, so I got, that's all I need, right? That's uh, it. You'll do so a great we'll, job. We'll we'll see what happens, and then uh, so we won't do a podcast on Monday. It's a holiday, and you'll be traveling, and our producer John gets a day off because certain people get holidays off in the company. I'm I'm told. I'm not sure how that works for others, but that's what I'm told. Talk about this here, but it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, you know, when you go to send an email um, on deadline, uh, yeah. so I'm sending one to the link. Oh, okay, I know where you're that going. Thing pops this. up at the yeah. top. Would you like to reconsider sending this during <laughs> office hours? Yes. Hours. <laughs> what are you talking about? That just, that just started recently in Outlook. I've seen that too. Where it says. Would you like consider sending this email at 8 a.m. tomorrow when it might have more? But people are going to be doing. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll wait. Nobody's working at night or on the weekends. First off, yeah, none of us are going to be awake at 8 a.m. because <laughs> we won't have stopped working till midnight or later. Uh, but anyway, nah, that's funny. Ha ha. All right, so, everybody, well, really appreciate have a, it. Have a safe holiday weekend, everybody, and we will uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday about uh, everything that happened and looking forward to the Nationals. And Max Scherzer should be pitching here on Wednesday. Very, uh, very excited to see that. So, so long, everyone.